It is time to check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer here with today's headlines. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. Just before we get to the uh, breakdown with talks at the BCGEU, Gordon McDonald wanted me to ask you once again if you've taken up pickleball. No, I've not <laughs> taken up pickleball, and I will tell you that when I first heard of pickleball, I asked someone to explain the game to me, and the explanation I thought was something invented by the onion. <laughs> so there is no need to put a pickle pick, a pickleball picket line around my house. But no, I've not. One of the best laughs, however, last month during the controversy over the provincial museum, uh, because of the furor here in the capital, the. Uh, cartoonist for the Victoria paper, Adrian Rayside, uh, did a cartoon suggesting that perhaps the museum proposal could be saved if the premier would add a pickleball course. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Yeah. Victoria, we do get involved in... um, First world problems that even most first world countries don't have to deal with. So that's Victoria for you. That certainly is. Security guards at the pickleball courts. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about what's happening. Uh, BCGEU President Stephanie Smith joining us a bit later on in the program. But I know you're looking at this as well and how things have broken down. Yeah, the talks between the government and the BCGEU have not gone well this year. And that's remarkable just because... In the past, usually, the BCGEU is the first uh, union to settle with the government, or early settling anyway, and usually it sets the standard for other talks with the government and its union. So uh, the first offer from the government, the union just sort of laughed at it and said, go and get a better one. Uh, The second offer, the union called a strike vote. So last week, they went back to the table, and the government tabled a revised offer. It's third. Uh, The union, hmm, this is not bad, you know, like they didn't just walk away from it. They didn't sniff at it or sneer. The union countered. So the union brought in its own proposal and a, a significant move by the union. So the government was seeking a three year deal, the union was saying, no. Two years is as far as we're willing to go because of inflation. Well, the union moved onto the government's turf. They proposed a three-year deal. We don't know the details. They haven't leaked those. At least they haven't leaked them to me. So union counters, the way bargaining usually works is maybe the government would come back and say, okay, well, you've moved. We'll move the government didn't, says the union. The union says the government basically went back to take it or leave it, and so the union is <clears throat> there's nothing more to negotiate as far as the union is concerned. Not right now, anyway. The union is going to take job action, and that's where we go. Uh, you'll be talking to the union head and see what they're planning. Early indications, Jill, are that it won't be a full-blown strike right away. They are still sorting out the question of essential services, which government services have to be maintained because they're essential, which ones, you know, can you shut down. Uh, They're working that out for the Labor Board. So I think what we're probably looking at as preliminary action would be, say, 
overtime ban, uh, refusing to do other workers' work. So not a full-blown strike yet. We're still some distance from that. Right. And and you mentioned, too, uh, and uh, one of the arguments from the union has been, look, you've got a lot uh, that of money sitting that uh, hasn't been allocated. Uh, send it our way. But like you said, too, if this sets the tone or kind of the blueprint for other negotiations, uh, that could be a costly one. It could be. You know, you hear that there is billions of dollars over a three-year fiscal plan, so three budgets, that is unallocated, and you go, yeah, well, they got billions, so surely they can come up with enough money to pay this, but you have to remember there are almost 400,000 people working in the public sector, there are 184 contracts to settle, and whatever the settlement for the BCGEU is, that tends to be the pattern right across. Um, 1% increase over one year for everybody costs the provincial treasury more than $300 million. So it doesn't take very long to use up a billion dollars if, you're, if you've got inflation running at over 5%. So that's the problem. And the government has other priorities for all of its money, too, whether it's you know fixing up some of the past messes or dealing with the crisis in health care or, well, you name it. Uh, there is a reluctance to commit all of those billions to just the one subject, namely getting contract settlements across the entire public sector. And do you think, how is this going to play out, do you think, then, with the, the leadership candidates, or will it be a, a, an empower, will it be, how will it be connected there? That is a complication that we haven't figured out yet, Jill, but it's significant. So, uh, if the, if, the, if the negotiators at the table tell the union, as they have in this case, we just presented to you our mandate, what they mean is this is as much as the cabinet has approved right now. So the improved offer that they tabled last week, the government negotiators, that was approved by the cabinet. Now, the government remains in place and the cabinet could meet and uh, decide to increase the mandate. But the leadership race complicates that. Uh, cabinet ministers who are thinking of seeking the leadership, and they may announce fairly soon, um, those ministers may have to step aside as ministers. At the very least, they move to caretaker mode. They don't make new decisions. They don't grandstand on the issues. Would be, wouldn't be fair to the candidates running who may not be in cabinet. And the whole government is going to be reluctant to tie the hands of the next premier by going too far, by doing stuff that, you know, is, uh, exceeds what the government has been prepared to tolerate under John Horgan. So uh, it may be more difficult for the government to move that far on negotiations. At the same time, the public is going to be going, what are you doing on health care? What are you doing on access, all those issues, um, you can't put the entire government really on hold for an entire leadership race, which may last until November, but it does introduce a complication that, you know, it, it, the GU didn't anticipate this, or even if they did, they, they don't have a contract. They want to negotiate, and you can't blame them for planning to take job action if they feel the uh, progress so far is inadequate.
And uh, interesting note as well, uh, as you you mentioned, uh, there are other unions uh, that are looking for a new deal as well, but aren't in the same position, uh, namely the BCTF. Yeah, I mean, other unions are at the table as well, because virtually all the contracts expired on March 31st, and the BCTF contract expired at the end of June, because they're tied to the school year. Um, interesting, the, the new head of the, uh, of the GEU interviewed last week, and he said, you know, uh, how are the talks going? And he said, well, fine, uh, you know, as well as can be expected. And I heard this, and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the, the talks with the BCGEU have broken down, and the BCTF is still at the table? Like, did these two unions switch sides? You know, and, and historically, the toughest union to get to come to terms is always the teachers' union. Uh, they are usually the holdout. Now, you don't want to make too much of this, it may simply be that the unions collectively, because they are advertising collectively, they are talking to the public directly and saying public servants need to keep up with inflation, it may be that they've just decided to let the GEU go first and see what they get and then follow in their wake. But I do find it interesting that, you know, the union that's um, getting ready to go on strike, take job action, is the one that uh, in the past uh, has not been the most militant in the public sector. And the BCTF, which usually is the most militant union, is still at the table and saying, well, talks are going about as well as you can expect them, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. And, and also uh, gauging public support. Everybody's yeah. dealing with food prices, inflation and such, and seeing how much uh, the public is on side. Yeah, you know, we've seen a lot of polling this year, but I haven't seen too much that really, really got at this one, which is, you know, how much public sympathy is there for public servants. I mean, I think, first of all, people appreciate that public servants kept at it and delivered the services and looked after us all during the pandemic. That's true. But I think there's also probably a lot of people out there who don't feel like they have inflation protection, and maybe they aren't as sympathetic to some of the high-end expectations of public servants. Public servants got to work all the way through the pandemic. They didn't get laid off. They have generally good benefit packages and a lot of job security. So the government hasn't played hardball on this one yet, Jill. I think partly because, you know, to <laughs> New Democrats depend on the votes of a lot of public servants to win their elections. So uh, you know, they don't play hardball the way the B.C. Liberals used to play, but it's an open question out there, and I don't think we've really got a sense of it. We may not have a sense of it until we start to see some job action, how sympathetic the public is to the expectations of the public sector unions. All right. Uh, we shall wait and see. Vaughn, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Jill. And I'll be listening to Stephanie Smith, see what she has to say this morning. That'd be good. All right. Sounds good. That is Vaughn Palmer, Vancouver Sun columnist.